everybody is fundamentally the ultimate reality, the self, the deep down basic whatever there is, and you're all that, only you're pretending you're not. Who we are is not this physical body that we're in that is here for a moment and gone. Who we are is this infinite intelligence, and we forget that. The same intelligence that, is, that created this infinite universe that never ends is you. And those of us seeking a way to transform life, to capture fulfillment in every now moment, to redefine our reality to live this life to its fullest. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question every single day. Are you living or are you killing time? What's going on, everybody? In today's episode, I want to welcome Zach Jurgensen to the show. Zach is the host of the DIY Wealth Podcast. Zach has an amazing story about living a fulfilling life. Living with the most possible freedom in your life is what is essential to how I feel living your best life comes about. And financial freedom helps most of us do that. If you're not able to live a life and you're working all the time and not able to do the things you enjoy, I think that's essential to living your best life. And that's what Zach is in the business of. Zach went from being in debt in his early 20s to amassing a net worth of a million dollars by age 31, essentially being able to retire or what he calls, quote unquote, unplugging and hopes to share his strategies and message to change the lives of those he has the ability to reach. Zach, welcome to the show. Heath, hey, thanks for having me. I know uh, we went back and forth. You and I have been busy doing our own things in our own worlds, but we finally made this happen. And I think this is going to be a really great, really great uh, content for your audience. Absolutely. And like I just said before we hit record, I've had a short list of different subjects I wanted to bring onto the show, different people. And you and I just happen to divinely cross paths. Financial freedom is just something I'm starting to work my way at age 41 years old, but I feel like this is an essential part of how people can really live a fulfilling life. And the story that you shared with me already was one that was really inspiring. And I think anybody who's looking to do something similar to expand their horizons through some financial freedom will get a lot of value out of what you're able to bring to the show. So definitely glad to have you here. No, I'm glad to be here. So to start off, I have a kind of a predictable question. What does it mean to live your best life according to Zach? Yeah, and I'm glad you said according to Zach because I was immediately going to say that's different for everyone. But according to me, um, I use the term unplug because we live in a time where we don't really, we haven't really mastered the idea of retirement. If you think about retirement on a timeline of our human species, our great great grandfather, our great grandfather, grandfather, father, and then us, you know, have basically understood this idea of retirement. Prior to that, historically, everyone just worked and worked and worked and worked and then died. Like that was it. Yeah. And so now we're in this beautiful time frame with capitalism where if you make the right moves in life, you don't have to retire at 65. You can really identify, you know, I can retire in my late 20s. I can retire in my 30s. I can retire in my 40s. Um, you know, as long and even your early 50s. 
but it requires you to sit in your thoughts and identify the things you want to do in life. I think people get trained and programmed that I need to work, I need to consume, I need to retire at 65 because that's the narrative that's constantly pushed. And so what am I getting at here with your question? I had to preface it with that because the reality is you can unplug from this and you can live your best life tomorrow. However, that doesn't look comfortable to me. Being homeless, living under a bridge, panhandling for money, that doesn't look like a comfortable life for me. That might be for someone else and that might be living their best life. On the other spectrum, uh, uh, side of the spectrum. You have individuals that work and work and work and work their whole life and never really sit in their thoughts and identify the things they truly want to do in life. That's not living your, your best life either. However, according to capitalism, materialism, and other narratives that are pushed, that person looked like they live a great life according to socioeconomic norms and economic norms. My idea of living your best life is a merging of finding reasonable financial freedom and living life by your standards, not the economy standards, not capitalism standards, not your parents' standards, not dot, dot, dot standards, your standards. That is my idea. Reasonable financial f freedom paired with sitting in your own thoughts and identifying the things you truly want to get out of life. That's probably one of the best answers I've heard to that question since I've done this show in 90, what, this will be 93 or 94 yeah, you're episodes on. by the time this one goes okay. on. So. Oh, by the time this one goes on. Yeah. Cause I, I listened to 91 and like I said, I was taking notes about talking to stuff with you and I'm like, you know what, dude, this guy and I have so much content to share and talk about. So no, I really appreciate that, that response. It, 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 the thing is, is I, I don't know if it was on a recent episode that I did or someone else's show, but we live these lives and we work up until age 65, where we're supposed to get permission to unplug. <laughs> I like that permission. <laughs> you know, go and live whatever life that someone says we can at that point, when all of our most, our, our years of vitality have passed us by. And now we're, we're older and we're more sore and overweight and everything else that goes yep. along with it. So we can go down to Florida or somewhere warm and, sure. you know, live out whatever's left. And that just, when I came to that realization, like that's what's expected of us. I'm like, man, that does not sound like living a life. It's like living to die. And it's the same thing with, you know, you work five days just to have a couple days off, or you work, you know, 300 and something days a year to have a couple weeks of vacation. It's along the same lines. You're literally living to get to some sort of an end. And I think what you're able to bring to the table in this conversation helps people not just break away, but give them a how they can break away. Because I've talked about it so many times with so many people, but people are like, yeah, okay, how can I actually do that? And you've got an amazing story where, you know, you were bankrupt and within 10 years. No, no, no. Let me, let me correct that. I was never bankrupt. Not bankrupt. I, I was in debt. In debt. I was in yes, a lot of credit card debt. Yep. My apologies. Yep. Nope, no worries. I just want to make sure that everyone's like, hey, he's lying about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just he messed up after a long day. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, amazing story of coming where you came from to having the net worth that you have now at age 31 of over a million dollars. That's mm -hmm. outstanding. So, you know, definitely want to dive into that. You know, what was your biggest motivation other than being in debt? What was your biggest motivation to get you on this road to the journey? So I love, this is another reason I've really just continued to do podcasting and I will continue and I am going to keep growing this. I mean, I love storytelling and this is one of the stories that I have told a couple of times on other podcasts, but I love telling it because I don't know, I like vivid imagery and things like that. So essentially 
I was a shithead growing up. I was going nowhere real fast. But to understand why I was, you know, going nowhere real fast, you know, I didn't grow up in a good family household, very fragmented familial situation, physical abuse, mental abuse, locked in attics, had to testify against my dad in court for child abuse. Like I didn't have a good life growing up. Um, and so to start to your audience members, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't get a head start in life. I started from ground zero. You can too. So moving up, you know, lots of frustration, lots of bad energy, lots of anger as a kid, didn't know how to let that out and realized, you know, I don't want to stay in my hometown, join the Marine Corps. So I joined the Marine Corps, still not really applying myself in life, not taking things seriously. But after we go over to Afghanistan, you know, we lost an individual with our, in our unit and a bomb dog. And after I saw, you know, the rifle and the boots and paying homage to this individual, I was just like, shit, I need to start applying myself to things in life because I definitely don't want to do this again. You know, so we get back from our deployment. <clears throat> I have one more year left and I'm just like, man, I still don't know what I want to do. So I just start picking up books. I pick up journalism books. I pick up photography books. I pick up finance books. I pick up accounting books. I pick up like, you just name it. I, I just started picking up everything. And there's one book I read, the little book on big dividends, easiest read. I think it's like 97 pages long or something. You do not need a finance degree to understand the very simple concepts that this book brings to the table. I read it. I was like, man, that's kind of cool. Like money, your money just kind of sits around and makes you more money. So I was like, and if I only knew what I knew now, I invested in 2011. That's when the market bottomed out from the real estate recessions. And I mean, you could have thrown a dart at a board with stock tickers all over and you would have made money because you were investing at the bottom of the market. Regardless, I didn't know that. I didn't do any due diligence, but I was like, hey, I hear Bank of America a lot. You know, I see them around town. So I guess it's probably something good to invest in. I invested in the whole day. I'm watching the, these 10 shares I own go up and down and up and down. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm making money. This is sick. And then it goes down an hour later and I'm like, shit, I'm losing money. Like, why did I do this? And like just emotion after emotion up and down. I don't do that anymore today, obviously. But end, end of the day, on my Scott Trade account, some of you guys will know what Scott Trade is. They, they, don't, they, don't, they aren't around anymore. But <laughs> at the end of it, I ended up having $4.14 more than I had earlier today. And that just clicked in my head. I was just like, holy shit, your money can you make you more money and you don't even need to lift a finger or do anything? And that has what's created this entire journey to where I am today. Now, I'm invested in things like real estate, traditional brokerages, and retirement accounts because you need a blend of these things in order to unplug earlier and create and design a life worth living in your earlier years rather than just tying it and maxing out your retirement right. accounts. Yeah, I mean, that's that whole realization when you can realize the different ways that you can, I mean, people have so many different ways that they're making money now. I mean, people are like all into the crypto stuff. They're into invest. A lot of people are into investing now that never were, but there's so many different ways through social media and everything else that people are making money that it just doesn't make sense why a lot of people will still grind out the traditional nine to five or whatever it is to try and get themselves to that place. So, and you're right. I agree with that, but I think, and I don't, I hate to be a cynic. I hate to be someone that maybe paints a little bit of a darker picture, but the realization I've kind of had is in capitalism, Heath, when are you and pe people like me worth their most in a capitalistic structure? It's cool. We're when spending we're young. money. Yeah. <laughs> when we're young and we're spending money. Yeah. Exactly. And so 
why is there such this hard narrative push for people to max out their 401k, max out their Roth IRA, max out all of your retirements, do it, do it, do it, and then you'll be able to safely retire at 65? The antichrist to capitalism as you a human being is you being able to unplug from the system at 30, at 40, and capitalism and the system that it generates the utility of you in your lifespan no longer gets to do that anymore. And you get to play on your terms on the board how you want to. Mm, absolutely. So you reinforcing that everyone can have financial freedom and everyone can be blessed. That's one of the biggest things I want to talk about because people have those self-limiting beliefs they think that, you know, this was good for Zach. You know, I've got some things going on. Like, oh, that's good for Heath. But they're so, I guess I wouldn't say self-defeating, but some people just don't know what options are out there for them. And top of that, people can kind of just get in their everyday grind and they just don't have the bandwidth to actually look into certain things or they don't feel like they have enough of a leg up to start investing in anything that, you know, they don't have enough uh, capital or savings or anything like that to invest anywhere. So they just don't ever explore, you know, where do you come in with what you do and some of the philosophies that you have behind it that can really help open those people's minds to their potentials. So, you know, first off, anyone can do it. You know, I'm not the smartest kid in the world. I really had to work for my 3.3 GPA in college. I mean, I had to work. Like there were kids I sat next to in school and they're like, Brr, like it just registered in their head. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to have to go over this like eight more times before I even might remember it for the test. So again, I'm not some finance wizard. I even ended up switch, switching my major from finance to business management because the classes were just getting too hard, hard and complex for me. In managing your own money, like KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Like if you really don't have the bandwidth to do it, invest in a low cost index fund. If you're someone that's looking for a little more exposure with a little more risk, well, then you can look at sector funds and thematic funds that are mutual funds and you're still getting a lot of diversification. Um, I got my real estate license and I learned all that whole game and I've learned how I identify real estate deals. Like there is a lot of limiting belief around it, but I'm telling you like from a kid that had like a 2.1 GPA in high school and wasn't applying himself to where I'm at today, I didn't immediately get anointed with all this knowledge. I started in the shallow end. I started walking and I got ankle deep. Then I got shin deep. Then I got knee deep and then I dived in. And if for whatever reason you still believe you can't fundamentally understand these things and pick up more simple books to start understanding them, if you're listening to this, you have me to lean on at this point. And what I do is I answer questions on my podcast. And if you want, for $10.56 a month, you can go be a patron, a Patreon member. And why did I pick $10.56 a month? I picked it because it's the cost of a Frappuccino and a ham and so sandwich, including tax at Starbucks. <laughs> If you're serious about building your wealth and you really want me to start doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching with you and reverse engineering your plans and strategies to get to the unplugged number you want at a certain age and see all of my positions that I have on Excel spreadsheet, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is and you see everything that I'm invested in, you will figure out a way to find $10.56. If you're not, then you're not serious about getting out of this rat race and you just want to keep hamster wheeling. And like, that's not something I want to do. And I know there's a lot of people in America that want to get out of this hamster wheel. And a lot of people will also throw lip service to it. And then, like you said, not take the steps towards it. And I think most right. of the people who are listening to a show like this, who are longtime listeners, they do want the best out of their life. That's why they keep coming back from war. They keep on turning to different philosophies and concepts. Yep. And 
I don't typically like to have just people on who was someone who was just a financial guru. What does that actually mean? If I had someone right. come on here and just spout off uh, how they, you know, they made some great investments. Now they're worth all this money. Like, okay, that's a great story. You know, maybe you threw a dart at the board with your. Well, and then they probably o- they they probably overcomplicated as t- as well and don't explain it well. And then people are are like, well, shit, maybe I am dumb because I can't understand what this guy's saying. I love dumbing things down because that is how I learn. I like to paint pictures. I like to paint analogies. I like to really dumb things down because that's the only way things click in my head. And I, I forgot who told me it, but it's so true. And I don't like maybe necessarily using the dumbest person, but that's just the way this person pro- procured the message to me. If you can walk into a group of people and teach them something and the dumbest person in the room understood everything, you're one of the best teachers this world has to offer. Yes. I've heard that before. I can't remember where I've heard it, but absolutely true. And what I thought was a unique approach to some of the stuff that you would send me was about your philosophies on things as well, because the changing how we feel about the world and changing the philosophies that the culture has brought, especially us in the United States, breaking that culture, because obviously it's not working. There's a lot of things broken with the system that we're in. So the more people that we can sort of get to think about all of these things in a whole different way, I feel that's essential to shifting how everybody's going to live. Like, it's great you're having success. I feel good about my own, but I'm the type of person where I'm climbing that mountain and I'm not going to look at the top and say, you know, look at me. I'm going to turn around mm-hmm. and put my hand back down the mountain and try and get other people to say, come up get here and see this view yep. with me. And I think you're. And even if they don't get all the way up to where you're at and they're standing 20 feet below you and they're going, I'm good, I'm happy. And you're shouting back, you sure? And they're going, yeah, like that's what I want for everyone. I don't want yes. necessarily everyone to be where I'm at, but I want you to be at an elevated position in life where you're happy and living your best life. It's it's just awesome to hear other people say that because this podcast has put me on the path with so many people who are like-minded. And it's great to have people like you out there that are trying to help other people, you know, and you're doing something for yourself along the way. So one thing I want to dive into, into what you had talked about before was the theories about capitalism, about how that whole system may be sort of, I don't know, maybe falling off or dying, you know, that it's either going to, I don't know, continue to strengthen, or it's just going to completely crumble. So I wanted you to dive in a little bit deeper on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, there's numerous reasons that, and to preface this, like I preface it with everyone that wants to talk about my opinions regarding capitalism on a podcast. I'm not a socialist. You know, I don't think that that's the thing we need to revert back to whether, whether it's socialism or capitalism, I don't think either are working. And I think capitalism, while I appreciate where it's gotten us and the innovations it's created and the amount of technology and ability to help other people, I'm not discounting capitalism has been an amazing economic model over the past few hundred years. What I am saying is it's starting to show cracks. There's dry rot starting to show. Are the stilts going to stay up? Are they going to crumble? And Two of the reasons, two of the largest reasons I see that is how can you have infinite growth in a world with finite resources? Mm. I mean, like, and people try and like argue me that point. And I'm like, no, please explain to me mathematically how that ends up working out because that's all we know. 
In order for us to create things in capitalism, we have to destroy things. We have to destroy right. more things in order to create more things. And you just can't like there's no and yeah, I get it. Space exploration, we're looking at Mars, cool. All that's doing is perpetuating the problem. We still haven't resolved the core fundamental problem of we need to learn how to just live sustainably within the world we operate in, this little blue marble we've operated in, not continue to pillage and pillage and pillage because eventually pillaging just stops. It just runs out. That's my first argument with it. My second argument is just when's enough enough? Like you have these billionaires and you have, we will probably see trillionaires within our lifetime. And just so some people can get a handle, like we hear the word billion and we hear the word trillion thrown around. And like us small folk don't really understand the concept of it. Heath, just take a wild guess. How many, how, so if you had to spend a dollar every second in order to spend a trillion dollars, how many years would it take to spend a trillion dollars? I, I couldn't even begin just to throw estimate. a wild guess. I'll say 50 years. 31,000 years. That's insane. That's an insane amount of money. And we're talking about one person owning all of that money. And so I have a hard time. It, look, if you want to be a millionaire, if you want to be worth 100 million, two, three, four, 500 million, I'm all for it, man. Go for it. But once you start reaching these excessive amounts of money that just get hoarded into a cave and the billionaires sit on them like sit on all that gold like dragons, suck it all up. And now the Fed's got to print more money. What do they do? They suck it all up again. Our cost of living goes up. Our food expenses go up suck it up again. Like it's a cycle that's just not sustainable. And the other side of me empathize and hurts for just the people in this world that don't have it as good as us. Like right. even homeless people in America have access to fresh water in five minutes, even right. homeless people. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like there are some countries you got to walk three hours one way with a jar on your head and then walk back. And if that well's dry for the day, guess what? No water for you. Like, mm. But we don't know what we don't know. And I can't blame or fault people if they haven't been exposed to it. But how beautiful of a world could we live in if billionaires went, you know what? 500 million is way more than enough for me to really just do whatever the hell I want in life at this point. And moving forward, I'm going to contribute to an energy network, sustainable energy network grid that allows access to energy in the Middle East, in Indonesia, in you know Africa. And who knows what those people could provide to the world if they had access to energy and they were able to read books and then go to school and then create a piece of technology that's 10 times more valuable than something like Facebook. It's just capitalism for as great as it is there is so much greed and power consolidation for people that are pursuing legacy for all the wrong reasons mm. and I mean, that's such an amazing point all of everything that you just said is just it it if people didn't kind of realize the standpoint that we're at at this point in our society then these kind of conversations open that up and sort of open people's eyes but this this country has really produced the united states has produced probably one of the greatest capitalist machines over the last 100 years you know it's produced i mean think about what's come out of this country some of the greatest music some of the greatest art some of the greatest inventions machinery everything this empire that has has come out of all this it's been great but on the flip side like you're saying, the, the age shows up, it starts to have its cracks. And these people who have these massive amounts of wealth, they will throw a little bit of like a philanthropic effort sure. towards There's always cause. an angle, but that yeah. angle is always money driven. It's not out of the goodness of their heart. Usually money or control, yep, like, or you know, control. exactly. Um, but 
with that, I, I don't know, I guess from the perspective that I've had and some of the great conversations I've been involved in the same exact subject, it's like, man, if I had $500 billion, I don't even know how I would spend it. Right. But I know that I would go to some of the places where schools were failing. I'd see headlines where there would be, you know, water issues in Flint, Michigan. And it would be like back with no ulterior motive. Yeah. Like that just amazes me that people have this massive amount of wealth that you're talking about and that the compassion for bettering the entire planet, because we will all benefit from it. Yep. um, Nature would benefit from it too. I'm a huge advocate of like, even if you don't care and want to argue about economic systems with me about shit, we need to just stop all this consumption that we're doing that we're out of control with because the world is literally dying. Our biodiversity, we're overfishing. Amazon's rainforest is getting cut down too fast. Like, even if you don't want to argue with me about our species, like, look at the entire world. Like, yes. it's hurting. And the earth, the earth is going to be here long after us. If oh, we yeah. sit here, we destroy the whole thing. Whether we it figure it eventually... out or not as a species, yeah, the earth yeah. will still survive. Absolutely. It's just how much do we want to be a part of that future? And then we talk about things like you mentioned about, you know, people go to Mars or whatever. It's like, man have you guys seen what the place looks like? Yeah, you can get there, but what kind of success do you think you're right. going to have once yeah. you get I mean, there? That's a whole other pan of problems. Oh, yeah. And like, but before you get into your other question too, since we're kind of on the subject and there's a little bit of a, a string between the two, you know, I talked about, you know, briefly, I touched on, you know, people are pursuing legacy for all the wrong reasons. Right. And one of the examples that just dawned on me and I love giving to people, and so you're going to play along with me, he's go ahead and name me like three pharaohs right now from Egypt. Oh man, it's late in the day. So I'm kind of trying to, So no, no, no. Okay. But that's my point. So, okay. We're going to move forward. We're going to move forward to Roman emperors. Name me five Roman emperors right now. I mean, you had, uh, other than uh, Augustus and, uh, Julius Caesar. Yeah. I was going to say, did I already take those? Exactly. Nero. I think Nero's another one. Cool. Other than that. I mean, you probably don't know a ton of them, right? Not really. Now name me the first eight presidents of the United States in order. Can you even do that? I, we could give you George Washington. That's pretty much exactly. it at this point. <laughs> my point is, and I don't know any of these either. Here's my point, though, and I hope it reaches people that are wealthier than me. Time will forget all of us. These are yes. men that ruled the world, the known entire world. And by 2021, a couple of them are cliff notes at best. In 3,000 years, no one's going to remember the presidency mm. of the United States, but they pursue that power and that ideology that I will be remembered no matter what. And because they're on that war path of legacy, they don't care what gets destroyed in the wake of their destruction. Yes. And that's another part of, of that's another problem that we're just having with capitalism. It's just becoming this huge pissing match against a few hundred people on who's worth more money and who's going to go down in the history books more. Whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Nero, whether it's Julius Caesar or whatever president, like time's going to forget all of us. And it has shown it shows just look back on time. You can't recall and recount all of these, quote unquote, important people that existed. Mm. But. Then on the flip side, some of the people who made some of the biggest impressions in humanity, who helped humanity, those names are on the tips of the tongue. You think of some of the people from history who are some of the biggest religious leaders, people will probably be able to name them much more easily than they would some of these people who are empirical you know, leaders or whatever you want to call them. Okay, that's fair. I would agree to that up to a certain degree. My two pushbacks on are regardless of whether you do good or bad things in life, if you've consolidated power and you've wanted to be remembered, you still will be forgotten. 
And then the other side of that token was, what was it? Oh, if you're the one that's writing the narrative of history, you're probably not writing it in 100% truth. Like if Hitler would have won World War II, there would be a completely different narrative on what the Allied powers were, what they represented, who they were, and what they were about. Oh, 100%. But because he didn't win, now we get to write the narrative. Now, Hitler obviously did not have good intentions. You know, he is viewed in the history and the world as evil. I'm not arguing or, re or refuting that. I'm just saying the person that won got to completely write the narrative. The loser didn't. And that goes through everything in everything. history. Everything. Every single empire that's ever existed. Exactly. So in talking about capitalism, you know, you had mentioned something about how it has its sort of self-inflicted imprisonments. Want to dive a little bit deeper on that one because I thought that was a captivating sort of cliff note. Yeah, I actually, uh, I try to post like daily little bits of uh, good perspective or information um, on my uh, Instagram, my creator Instagram account. And one of them I just recently uh, published was, if you drive a nice car to a job you hate, you're the new symbol of self-imprisonment. Yeah. And it's, it's true. Like you would really just rather exude confidence to people you will never see or meet in your life driving past than choose to be happy. Like that's how bad it's gotten in America mm -hmm. and Hollywood does a good job fetishizing it. So does So does the advertising and marketing agency. Advertising goes far beyond just solving your problem at this point anymore. Advertising goes, you're inefficient. You're not sufficient enough. If you buy this, you'll gain more friends. If you buy this, you'll get more girls attracted to you or more guys attracted to you. If you wear these clothes, you'll be cooler. If you buy this car, more people will love you. Like It goes so much farther than beyond us just having a problem fundamentally solved for us. It's attacking our emotions and our insecurities, and it's working very well. Mm. Um, and so realizing everything I just stated and pulling out of that system and understanding like, I don't like so for instance, I got a nice Mercedes entry level AMG. Super fun car. I love it. It wasn't super expensive, but it wasn't super cheap either. I rip around on it. I have a lot of fun. I don't think I'll get another one because I would just much rather have all of my freedom and all of my money and buy a cheap used, you know, piece of crap Toyota than, you know, buy another, you know, 50,000, 60,000 car. And, you know, yeah, maybe I put half down and I still have a low payment, but like it's still payments that are locking me into a system that I don't really want to be in anymore. Mm -hmm. I got a taste of the luxury model. It was fun. I like zipping around in it, but it'll lose its luster eventually. And when it does, I'm just going to go back to choosing to just own something outright and not have to worry about payments. And now I got half of a plane ticket covered for the next six years. It's true. You know, I, I went through a similar sort of uh, a mindset where I had an Audi, you know, I bought years ago. I spent some yeah. coin on it, sure. owned it, paid it off, and literally drove the thing into a ground. And once I got rid of it, had a couple of vehicles that were just older because it's like, older, you know what? Yeah. I kind of got over it. No big deal. Yep. And then after some time went by, it was like, you know what? I kind of want to get another one again. So when you just said, you know, you're driving a car that you love to a job that you hate, I'm like sitting there going, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that sort of. <laughs> right and and to be fair, if that car gives you so much love and joy and appreciation for life and you get a lot out of it and you're able to, you know, carve it into some mountain roads and really have fun with it right. and it helps you live life, then go do it. I'm just saying a lot of people are buying cars 
for the wrong reasons. A lot of people are buying the size of the house they are or where they're living for the wrong reasons because they're doing it because they have this false narrative in their head that I need to impress people. I need to make sure my next door neighbor, Linda, thinks I'm successful. I need to make sure I'm not dressing like a bum. So I need to buy designer clothes. That way I get a promotion faster at, at work. Like, mm. And you, none of this is even verified. It's just all stuff you make up in your head. And before you know it, you've just dumped a bunch of money into stuff. And now you got to keep hamster wheeling. Right. And if you don't have those things, you almost feel like a prisoner in the life that you're in because you're constantly beating that drum of, I need to have that thing to be happy. So you're living in that whole mindset, that whole concept of that the future time when that thing arrives, then I'll be happy when it gets here. And that builds a cycle that builds into so many other things of the same sort of mindset. The future time that I'll be happy when this thing, this person, this job, whatever it is, shows up. Um, yeah, but on you, the flip I mean, side, it's kind of hard to be miserable in a nice new Audi. I'll have to say that much. It is if you're not under certain finan- financial strains. That's but true. yeah, I mean, if you got a 650 payment and you just lost your job and you're living paycheck to paycheck, how fun is it to drive in that car? Probably exactly. not very fun. Um, and to your point about happiness and stuff that you just made earlier, uh, a few moments earlier, like that's the thing. We are going about the pursuit of living our best lives in all the wrong ways. You can choose to be happy, content, joyful tomorrow, but we've been born in a world where, well, you only get to be joyful if you get this, and then you get to be content if you get this, and then you'll be happy if you buy these three things. And that is the completely opposite way. And, you know, I don't advocate for people to go about doing things the way I did. My whole 20s, I didn't travel. I just went to a different country last or this year. I went to Tulum, Mexico. It was life changing. I was like, there's so much world to see. I don't want to work anymore. And my inflection point with it was I was getting close, close to this number that I wanted, this million dollar mark. And the closer I got to it, the more I was going to think I was going to be feeling happiness and contentment and joy because what else have I known? Like, oh, Wolf of Wall Street. Like, oh, go make money. What's that one guy? Gordon Gecko. Greed is good. Like, you know, I've been pushed this entire narrative in my life and I'm not close with my family. So I'm not spending time with my family. I'm just solely focused on building a mountain of money and then I'll be happy. And as I got to that point, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why am I not happy? Like, this is my goal I've been pursuing for a decade. And I'm not happy. What is going on? And I had a bit of a meltdown. I had a bit of a freak out. You know, I really started, you know, sitting down. I took all of my PTO at my job. Um, I started, you know, walking around in nature. I, you know, I don't know whether people are for or against psychedelics, but I, I used mushrooms and some other things. And they were very enlightening experiences, you know, under the right supervision um, with someone. And I was just like, there's so much more to life than just this imaginary green thing that I've been pursuing. Um, And that was my inflection point. And, you know, because I had that, I was like, I need to blast this message out to people. So that way, if I even save one person from getting to their deathbed going, why did I just praise at the altar of success and capitalism and achieve, 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 and more and more and more and do and do and climb and climb and climb the corporate ladder. If I can save one person from doing that, this entire thing's worth it for the rest of my life. Right. The, I guess one of the things I can say from the perspective I've had that was similar to what you had was I always need to go on vacation. I live in Massachusetts and we go out to Cape Cod at the, the end of Massachusetts. 
And I had some very miserable years where it was like, if I just get there, I'll be happy. And I remember getting there and still not being happy. And it was like, okay, great. Now that I'm here and I'm still not happy, what's going to happen now? Like, I don't have this thing to look forward to, to be my rescue. And it was similar to what you're saying about this money. It was like, you had your benchmark, you had the place that you wanted to get to. And now you're there and you're not happy. Like if you have the state of happiness going into a goal, like once it gets here, it's just going to enhance everything. But if you're putting that elsewhere, it's going to take another benchmark. It's going to take a Ferrari. It's going to take another trip somewhere. It's always going to be that thing that's outside of your reach. And I guess there's a lot of people who will still chase after that golden ring after hearing these kinds of stories all the time. But I guess they just have to experience it for themselves. And I heard it before I was exposed to it myself. And I guess once I experienced it for myself, then I was able to actually be like, hey, actually, it's not a story that someone just tells to be whimsical. This isn't actually a thing. And I guess maybe you got to experience it for yourself, but it's great to hear other people sort of say the same thing. No, I and I mean, you know, you're one of two other people I've talked to on podcasts that um, we hold very similar ideologies um, on how to just plug in a more enhanced way, enhanced way of living. Mm-hmm. And the, the literally the secret to plugging into a more enhanced way of living is one of the, one side of it is sit in your own thoughts and identify what you want in life. Yep. Stop running around. Stop Stop looking at Instagram and realizing you need to do this. And then, oh, the kids are late for school. And okay, you know, my wife's arguing with me about this. I'll deal with that later. I got to take care of all this stuff at work. And before you know it, your entire day has been filled with anything but your own thoughts. So take the time, whether it's in the morning or the evening, whatever you identify as the best time, and just like meditate for 20 minutes. Breathe in, breathe out. You would be absolutely amazed at the amount of creative ideas that come out of your system after you've just sat with and spent some time with, truly sat and spent some time with yourself without external noises affecting you. Mm. Now, you mentioned something briefly about psychedelics, and I'm intrigued by it because I've never done something with those Um, but was there a certain one that you felt that sort of made you a little bit more connected with everything? Cause I I had a a good friend of mine on here recently, Joe Walters, and he was also, I believe he was a Marine. Um, and he used it to get past a lot of PTSD and it just sort of, you know, that's a huge thing out there now is, and I had a lot of PTSD. I kind of go over it over a lot of natural means, but it took a long time he used it with some great success, but through the process, it also made him a lot more connected to himself, but everything else around everything else. Yep. A hundred percent. So yeah, exactly. Mushrooms, um, hands down. Um, you know, I mean, can you go and take a really heavy dose and feel interconnected with everything? Yes, absolutely. Colors are brighter. Images are sharper. Uh, you see fractals in the world and things like that, but you mushrooms does a really good job. If you do a heavier dose of it, making you realize and understand we are not alone in this world. What, what is within our world? What is around us? Whether we're being observed, whether the, the world is just trying to remind us, Hey, by evolving this mushroom, I just want to remind you how interconnected you are with everything. I don't have the answer to that, but what I do know fundamentally is after taking it, I don't fear death. I am interconnected to everything. Everything is one. There's a oneness. And even if you, even on lower levels, like 
you would not recognize me in my early 20s. Like I was such an angry, I would, my whole life I've been in a very angry human being. And up until the past like two, three years, and I uh, started working with this as well as started meditating and focusing on Eastern medicine stuff rather than, you know, the pharma, big pharma companies that just want to keep you in a perpetual chronic state. Um, I, even if I just take a small dosage of mushrooms it's a mood elevator and it makes me want to connect with people in a positive way. It makes me, I don't even know that group of people over there, but I feel real good. Like, Hey, let me buy you a drink. You know, what's your story? Blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, I have an amazing connection with someone that didn't even know me prior. And I would not have done that without at least a little, a small dosage of it. So on a large scale, yeah, absolute oneness connection and wanting to work with people and wanting to work with nature on a smaller scale it even just made me more sociable. It made me trust people more because I've had such negative experiences growing up as a kid. And then in the Marine Corps, like not, what do you do when you're in the Marine Corps? You don't trust Taliban people. Like they're out there to kill you and I'm out there to kill them. And like, I don't think that's what we naturally want to do as humans, but we get conditioned because of unfortunate external situations. So hands down, um, psychedelic wise, the one that has enhanced me the most has definitely been, um, I don't even know the official medical term for it, like psych psilocybin or something like that. Oh, psilocybin. Psilocybin, there you yep. go. So I just call them mushrooms. But um, <laughs> yeah, so to answer your question, that one hands down. And I'm glad that your other uh, friend from the Marines saw much success with that with his PTSD as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm involved a lot with sort of advocating for PTSD. I was a police officer for 18 years. I went through a lot of it myself the battle that I went through to get over it was a really long drawn out one. And I think given if I were to go through the situation that I'm in now, I mean, there's all sorts of things out there. There's like light therapy um, yep. type of things. To so, get there's a uh, sound baths. I want to try yeah. a sound bath. I haven't tried a sound bath yet, but yep. Yeah. There's all types of alternative methods that don't require you to pop pills the rest of your life. Exactly. I'm going to go try one of those float tanks at one point in the next few weeks. I looked at one of those. I really do want to try one of those too. I heard it's really hard to try for like 20 minutes because of just the amount of sensory deprivation. Yeah. But the people I have talked to, they're like, you know, it's a little nerve wracking or you're impatient or you're antsy or you're anxious. But then they're like, there's just a certain calmness that just flows over you and they like have a hard time explaining it. But you and me both definitely want to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got some near us. Uh, we've got actually like two places that just opened up. And recently in the last, you know, doing this podcast and making connections with people who, you know, we have conversations like this. Uh, a good friend of mine, Ben Carroll, he's a sound healer. He works with all sorts of frequencies and does all sorts of stuff. And I went up to Maine to go and see him earlier this year and did a breathwork session. And then he did this uh, sound healing afterwards, that breathwork session, like whatever that did to my brain. And is, my it, body. is it the one where you're just like, <laughs> not hyperventilating. It was okay. literally like a full belly, deep breath in, like you okay. basically breathe into your chest and then into your stomach and uh -huh. then just completely out and right back into it. It was almost like a rhythmic breathing, but it definitely wasn't a hyperventilation where that can cause physical effects. You can start to hallucinate and everything else. So that's what I've heard about that stuff. So what was the effect you got from this type of breathing exercise? It, the craziest part was it was literally like almost a full body paralysis on top of like a tingling feeling and a vibration throughout my whole body. That's only way I could describe it was like the feeling that you get sitting on like a chair massager. That's like not, not one that's like a shiatsu massage, but one that's literally like a vibrating chair massager. And I'm laying on the ground and like my whole body went into that. And then huh. the sound healing part started. And I started just getting these like 
geometric patterns. I got my eyes closed and these geometric patterns, the way they were going really? through my eyes. Yeah. So when it was over, like I'd never, ever been through anything, <laughs> anything like that before. Like, like that, I had yeah. never done like Reiki. I had never done like group meditations or anything like that. Sure. So I'm diving in deep on this and I come out of it and I'm like, belly laughing like what the what hell just happened, just happened? <laughs> i mean i've been through some adrenaline pumping stuff in my life for sure and this was to like, lay I'm on just, a floor i'm like what am i doing here like I got going a guy, on? Yeah. i'm breathing and i got this guy playing crystal bowls right afterwards and i'm like having the craziest thing that i could probably compare to a psychedelic in my life i've never done psychedelics but i'm sure, like this sure. is insane man. yeah no but to know that there's things out there like a float tank. Like I'm super excited to try that. I had the chairman of Hemisync on this show a few episodes back and he did the float tank and said how he had like a full on legit out of body experience. And for a guy who works with brain waves to get your brain to a certain state to, to say that that was one of the most profound what's, experiences. Of his what's life. his expertise? Like what does he operate in? He, he is his company that he owns is called Hemisync. If you look into like binaural beats, um, this guy, Robert Monroe developed these studies where you basically put one frequency into one ear and another frequency into another, and they're slightly off in their Hertz and your brain waves work in certain Hertz frequencies. So he'll play one tone in one ear and one in the other. And if you lift the headphones up, you'll hear like, Ooh, and then you lift the other one up and you hear like, Ooh, yeah. but when you have them both on, you hear this oscillation where it's like, boop, 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 boop. And that puts your brain into a certain state, like alpha, beta, gamma, like dream wave, or uh, okay. like the, the, you know, the zone that athletes get in, it can literally put your brain in certain states. So this guy's oh. like an expert on this stuff. He's the CEO and of the he company. He did the sensory deprivation. Yeah. Thing. And he said, it was okay. like the craziest thing he's ever gone through. So wow. now that we've got two of them opened up, literally one just North and one just South of us. I'm yeah, I think we got out. like three of them out here. So um, it's something I put on my to-do list, but it's funny enough. You know, I've been thinking about it more and more. And now here we are having this conversation. Yeah. You're gonna have to do it, and we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Yeah, we'll have to reconvene on our on our experiences with yeah. you. Yeah, hundred percent. That would be very yep. cool. I'd be I'd be very open to sharing my experience with you on that, Heath. Absolutely. So to dive into that, I mean, we're we're talking about financial stuff and all that, but I would definitely want to get into this thing about a spiritual concept that you have real quick, and we'll dive back into the other stuff since we're we're diving deep on this a little bit. But you know, in this in this sort of discussion about philosophy and consciousness and stuff you had mentioned something about sort of the shared collective of consciousness and you know how we are sort of maybe like a connected you know your your view on how we are as is a sort of physical realm of consciousness yeah so i have three theories at this point um and i'm still going to keep sticking to my three theories until i get more validation through some type of sign or or science shows us something but before i get into these three theories I want to remind people that like paradoxically science in order to continue being science needs to always be proven wrong. Exactly. So even though I'm about to say these things and they might sound a little outlandish or, or crazy, there were things Galileo said that were outlandish or crazy. There were things before him that sounded outlandish or crazy and people were disproven, proven, uh, proven right until they were disproven and proven wrong until they were proven right. And, and like the cycle just continues with science. Mm -hmm. So here are my three theories on things. <clears throat> one is, and I will believe, I will lean towards believing this one more. If we are able to create within our world, a self-conscious aware AI, artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, if we are able to create that within our world, 
there's a good chance we aren't based reality and we are self-aware conscious AI designed from something else. The odds of us being, if we're able to do that in our world, the odds of that thought cascading out off across, you know, an infinite timeline, it just, and that's not a scary thing to think about. Like we still exist. We still feel like we have free will and we have the ability to do and control and design the things we want, but that's one theory. And it, I'm waiting on that one thing to happen, but we are moving very fast with technology. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see that within our lifetime. My other theory is we are just part of some collective, interconnected, one consciousness. But for, for whatever reason, we've somehow manifested into this physical reality and we identify as separate through our ego and through um, you know, physically looking at something like, I am clearly not this deer. This deer is separate from me. It doesn't even speak my language. I can eat it, so I still eat it. So maybe that's a different level of connection that I have with this deer than I would identify with as a human being connection. But everything is interconnected. It's just, I don't think we think about it on a deep enough level. Like if I go eat a poisonous mushroom and I die, I'm still connected to that mushroom and that mushroom's connected to me. And because of it, I've become recycled back into this world. But I think we like to isolate that not only are we humans and we're different than everything else, but I'm different than you. But if you think about it, like we're not that different, like bio, from a biological standpoint um, and even from an ego standpoint, if we were able to like purify everyone's ego from their life, we're essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then my third theory is that basically, and again, stick with me on this one. We are all some type of, higher sentient being or God or whatever you want to call it. We are something so much more powerful than we think we are because this thing that we were or still are or connected to somehow got tired of playing uh, spectator and wanted to be player. And so right. this physical world manifested itself. And now, you know, there's a part of this higher sentient being that you are that's still spectating and watching you and you don't have enough connection or ability to get there. And maybe that has something to do with your third eye or awakening or losing your ego or something. But now you're an actual player in this quote unquote game we call life. Those are my three theories. Now, just you have those theories. And like that last one is definitely one that I'm starting to sort of discover a lot about reading a lot about it, like that we're our consciousness is sort of in this like nested doll sort of thing that we maybe have a higher state, this conscious, this, this reality that we could possibly be in could be like a dream state of that higher version. Just like when we dream at night, that's as real as anything right. else. The people yep. that are in it, the environments, the smells, the sights, it's just as real to us. So like what we're doing right now could be some sort of a state from another higher version of consciousness. I mean, if you in one night had a dream of 75 years of life, which our dreams at night, they could seem like super long, hours long. And if you look at a brain scan, they lasted for maybe 30 Ten seconds. minutes. Oh yeah. yeah. 30 seconds, even less. Yeah. Yep. Super, super short. So, so how, how do you know you're not doing that right now? Exactly. You know, how do you know <laughs> that you're not in a dream state where you're dreaming 75 <laughs> right. years worth of life? We don't yep. know. We have right. no idea, but in bringing these kind of concepts to this show, like live this life is all about thinking about these things that just makes your existence much more open and potential of all these different concepts that well, are out it, there. The and even with the things we're talking about right now, imagine living a life, not having a conversation about this and just worried about money, capitalism and consumerism. Yeah. Like, but that's what a lot of people end up doing. And to me, it's just like, that's such a small life. That's such a small life.
when we were talking a little while ago about the houses and the cars and everything, I'm pretty proud of the property I have. I have like almost 10 acres now. I got another 10 that are coming. I don't really talk about it much at all. I've got my new car that I just got a few weeks ago. Haven't put a single picture up on, on Instagram or anything like that. Sure. A lot of people get that gratification of the things they bring into life. And really, I have a hard time with social media because I'm busy out there living my life sure. and not it's so a highlight busy reel. trying to you know to show everybody else that I'm living my life. Yep. So I don't know. I had to throw that out there in part of that conversation because people just need to be more concerned with just just doing what they're doing without the necessity of trying to impress people while they're doing it. And 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 to further reinforce your point about you know not talk or not talking much about your house and stuff like that, like. It sounds like you're completely happy in the size of the house you're in. I'm in a house right now. It's 1,600 square feet. It's more than enough. I don't even use one of the rooms. One's an mm-hmm. office and one's my bedroom. And like, I feel more than blessed to have all of that. And coming from that position, rather than I wish I had more, I've already won at life. I've already won at life by feeling blessed and content that I have already more than enough in my world than the person that goes, I need more. Regardless of what more is, even if it's someone that's worth $500 million and I'm only worth a million dollars, that person that needs more will continue to suffer and not live their best life, their wealthiest life. I will. And to people that even have a hard time understanding that, then start worrying and caring about your future generations of kids. If you really think you need a 10,000 square foot house in Arizona and you need to cool it to 68 degrees every day, do you really think you're doing the world a justice? It's, I mean, it's such a waste of resources. It's such a waste of resources. And so, you know, again, I, I, I'm all about pairing reasonable financial freedom. I'm not here for people that want to go buy a 20,000 square foot house. If you come to me and that's your goal, I'm probably going to tell you, you haven't sat in your thoughts long enough and you haven't identified what your wealthiest life is. Mm. Which this, this is totally why having you on here, I thought was going to be such a great match because we'll segue into what you do for people to help them sort of grow and what your message is and help them do all these things. Cause it's definitely hard to live your best life. Like I said before, if you're working like two or three jobs, you got kids to take care of. It's really hard to look at your life and enjoy it when you're just slaving away all the time. You don't yep. get that quality time with your kids. That, you don't that, get that. Yep. That financial filter and everything you're saying right now, it is so hard to be able to think about the things you and I are thinking about when you have yeah. all of that to worry about. So how do you help people get there? What is it when someone comes to Zach and they're first coming to you be like, Zach, I hear all the things that you talked about on Heath's show. I kind of want to know how I can start taking my steps to get there. You know, I want to start pondering all these things, but to do that, I kind of need to have a little bit more of a financially independent life. What sort of things you do to help those kind of people? Yeah. So again, podcast forever and always will be free. I will never charge anyone to hear my thoughts and my, and my perspectives. And you know what? If you don't like what I have to say, that's fine. No one's forcing you to tune in. I can be a preacher at my church. You can come to my church, but you can also walk out of my church. I, I don't really care either way. Um, but if you want further help other than me just asking questions on the financial podcast, at that point, you need to sign up for Patreon. And again, I know I'm doing fine in life. The reason I want to charge you money and automate the payment of that is because it's conditioning you to automate the payment of investments. And it's also showing me you're committed to making your life better. And it's also allowing me to scale and grow this so I can reach more people like you. 
Um, and so through that collectively, that's when I start really pairing deeper philosophical thought, identifying what your wealthiest life lived is on top of financial coaching accountability. And when I talk about financial coaching ability, I'm, I, my goal here isn't to be your best friend. Otherwise, I would say it's the best friend show. My goal is to make you wealthy and build that. And do you know really nice coaches that give people tons of breaks and let them go for every time they slip up in, co in soccer and in basketball and in, in football? No. A coach is hard on someone. A coach is accountable for someone. A coach sets goals for their players and their players achieve those goals. And that's 100% what I'm going to do to you. And it might be painful. It might be a little uncomfortable, but you will learn to love me in the process. I will learn to love you. And you will be so much happier that you've chosen to become an architect and design the life you want to live. When people have to actually pay for something, it keeps them more accountable as well. When something's free, it's easy to just not stick with it, throw it yes. away. Exactly. It's easy to just not take Yeah, exactly. So we'll wrap up in a minute because I know you're a busy guy and you've got things going on. So um, tell everybody how they can find you, how they can reach out to you and all the things that you got going on. Yeah. So I'm just going to say my name one time right now, instead of repeating it three times with my other links, because it is a bit lengthy. So my name is Zach Jorgensen. It's Z-A-C-J-U-E-R-G-E-N-S-E-N. -E -E so you can add a .com to that, go to my website, record questions on there that I can put into the episodes. I have my uh, Instagram account that I post daily little tidbits. I don't post on weekends. So just Monday through Friday, I post you know perspective shift ideologies and also quick tips and life hacks to help you build wealth better. Um, Patreon.com backslash Zach Jurgensen. That will get you over there and you can become a DIY wealth founder. I don't like calling you guys patrons. I like calling you founders because you're helping me found a message and spread a message. Um, and then I also have my personal Instagram. Um, if you kind of want to get a peer into my life and you know what I'm doing, where I'm having fun, where I'm traveling, if there's things you want to, you know, you're interested on that. And that handle is Z J U E R G E N. Um, that's all I have right now. Eventually I would like to get some video content on YouTube and stuff, but we're starting small and we're scaling. Awesome, man. I'll put all the links to the show notes to everything that Zach just mentioned. So it's easy, one click. So head to the show notes if you want to go check Zach out. It's been a pleasure connecting with you, man. It's uh, it's been, dude. No, absolutely. Um, when we get done, when we get off the podcast, um, you know, whenever we get done with this uh, sensory stuff, we'll we'll reconvene on that too. That'd be really cool. Yeah, we definitely got to do that because I'm committed to doing it. I did a Reiki yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally a few down weeks that. back, so that yeah, was yeah. kind of a new experience for me. I had some friends that were kind of doing some of those things, and they had some profound experiences. Mine wasn't that much. I was pretty balanced according to the lady, but um, still going down those roads and all that stuff because. Yeah. Yeah. Explore it. What works for you? What doesn't? Everyone's different. Like, yeah. I love sure. hearing the stories about like what people have gone through with like DMT and ayahuasca. That's super intimidating to me. I don't know if I'll ever get to that mm -hmm. point, but I have a ayahuasca. I have an ayahuasca uh, journey I'm doing with three people in Puerto Rico next year. So I'll definitely let you know how that goes too. Oh boy. Yeah. It's uh, I've, I've heard some pretty crazy stuff that people come out of that, but stuff that's like profound and life changing. So I'm looking forward. I'll stick to the flow tank yep, for now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> for now. Yeah, absolutely. Move at your own pace, my guy. That's right. That's right. So, All right, Keith, brother. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on here. Big thanks to Zach for a great conversation. We turned that one from a conversation about expanding your financial wealth into expanding your consciousness and everything in between. All sorts of stuff. 
But that's just what happens when you're aligned with like-minded souls with a similar purpose. Check out his podcast, DIY Wealth, on all major platforms, and join in on the Patreon for only $10.56 a month and have some of the breakthroughs that he's created with others in his community. Um, They've been amazing. Join me on that venture because I'm going to dive in as well and see what kind of expansion Zach can help me bring into my life as well. Every bit of growth and abundance that we can welcome in opens up that much more possibilities for us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep living.